for the Faith FM Breakfast Show with the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson. Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia. Positively different radio in the morning. Lawson, what are you thankful for? I am incredibly thankful to be here, to be awake on this beautiful Thursday morning, looking outside, seeing the sun. You know, relatively anyway. It's kind of it's a bit overcast, a bit dark here in the morning. But yeah, I'm I'm killing it. I'm living my best life. That's that, that's amazing. I'm just sitting here getting used to the new intro jingle. The new intro jingle. Yes. Nice. Yeah. I I was surprised to to wake up this morning and to hear Blake just you know just just going hard introducing us. So fantastic stuff. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Let me think about this for a second. What am I thankful for? I'm. You know, I've. I've been working on a list for a long time. I've been doing this for about five years, and I'm it's sort of running out of things. things to be thankful for. Well, I guess you can always be thankful that you, I mean, I was you through, woke up, you got here. Yeah, yeah, but I've done that like a bunch of times before. Uh-huh. I, I was working my way through my workshop there for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I'm thankful for rattle cans of spray paint. Uh, so convenient. Yeah, is that is that what you've been into lately? I have been, yes. Just going hard on the spray paint? Yes, Graffiti wow. everywhere? No. Wow. I was going to say, I was going to accuse you of being a, a graffiti artist, but no. Nah. Well, some graffiti artists are actually really good, yeah. super talented. Yeah. Um, I'm not super talented. Yeah, their names at, aren't Lyle South. <laughs> I am not super talented at any kind of art whatsoever at all. You will not find my tags anywhere. Mm. Um, and, you know, I do appreciate it when people have those spaces that are actually set up for it and they do it properly. Yeah. You know, it's just the ugly ones that just get stuck on the side of, you know, yeah. random pieces of concrete or trains or whatever that is like, seriously, guys, you can at least try and put some effort into this. Yeah, that's right. That's like just like tagging is like really lame, but if someone wants to make a beautiful artwork on the side of the road, I'm like, go yeah, for it. Yeah, why not? It looks, looks awesome. looks Absolutely. amazing. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Featuring Laura Whitten. It's about time for us to get into our quiz question. Lawson is coming into the studio, slamming the door as he comes, and he's about to bring us... That's right, we're getting things done here, right? Okay, who am I? In Luke 3.38, I am called the Son of God. Okay. There you go, 0491-064-669. That's the number to call or text if you know the answer. I know exactly the answer. It's a trick question. Don't say that. Don't laugh. Please. This person is called the Son of God. If you know who this is, 0491-064-669 is the number to call. And you can go into the draw to win the Revive Cafe Cookbook number five, uh, volumes five and six. And oh, let's pick some more meals. This is my favorite part of the show, to be honest. Um, you can have oven roasted um, peaches and cream. Or, here we go, um, homemade natural muesli. Now, both of those things are... Things that people eat pretty often. But this cookbook is it's laying out. It's been a long time since else. I've had peaches and cream. Really? Yes. Kind Too of, long. Kind of same. Yeah. I love just buying like a massive Mostly, yeah, jar yeah. of peaches. Like the big old jar and just, just slurping it out. It's the best. But anyway, 0491 Who in the Bible is called the Son of God? If you get the answer correct. In you, Luke. In Luke. In, in Luke, yeah. If you get chapter the answer, 3. Chapter 3. In, if you get the answer correct, you will go into the draw to win these two <coughs> cookbooks, which will be drawn tomorrow, guys. So get your answers in. All right. Let's have some positively different news. All right, guys. Let's put our hands together. Let's have a clap. You know, you know, celebrate. Celebrate. We need to celebrate right now. This is really important. We have done it. Okay. We have done it. All right. Australia is responsible 
for the biggest plant ever. Cool. Guess how big this plant is. I have no idea. Just just throw out a number, Lyle. Okay, so there's a couple of big ones. Uh, there's a big one. There's two big ones in the United States. One is a mushroom, and the other is a like a popple tree, um, and they're like a lot of acres. Uh huh. Okay. So a lot of acres. Mm-hmm. So how about how about uh, Lyle? Mm-hmm. Um, how about the size of Manhattan? Okay, that's decent. That's a that's a that's a big area, big plant. That's um, like a whole suburb. Yeah. Okay, so that's pretty big. But imagine three times the size of Manhattan. That's bigger. That's a lot bigger. Um, basically, Australia has a bed of seagrass, which is all coming from one seagrass plant because that's how seagrass grows. It like grows off each other. Yes. There's one. This whole bed of seagrass is, is one plant. Is one plant. How big is it? How many acres? Uh, oh, let's have a look. Or the seagrass covers about 200 square kilometres. Whoa! You're kidding me. Researchers I didn't realise that Manhattan was that big. From the Well, this is three times. Yes. Three times as big. Still didn't think that Manhattan was that big. <laughs> Researchers from the University of Western Australia have concluded. So maybe there's some there's some, some bias here because uh, the researchers come from Australia and obviously we want the title of biggest plant. Yeah, we can't let the Americans keep that. Exactly. Um, but essentially, yeah, the, the team have stumbled upon the discovery by accident in Shark Bay, which is about 800 uh, kilometres north of Perth and yeah they were like just going hard looking at this plant and you know they as they were publishing their research people were like talking about the seagrass was like okay that's a big bed of seagrass you know how many plants is in there and they're like one one it's one plant and then they've gone wait a minute wait if this is one then it's the biggest then it's the biggest that's right and so yeah congratulations Australia we are the record holders now for the biggest plant that exists which is amazing okay As, as it should be yeah, as it should be. That's correct. Like, if we deserve to be known for big things, it should be big plants, which yes. is great. Um, okay, in a, another uh, research, some more research, more development that's been done. Oh, this is so interesting. Um, in, in what is called bugs as drugs research. So, essentially, creating viruses to fix problems in your body. Um, people in researchers in England have... I can see this going epically wrong. Well, apparently they're using living bacterial magnets um, to guide engineer viruses to attack cancer tumours. That's that's kind of cool. That's it's really cool and kind of. So you've scary. got COVID. It's like okay, so no, you've got, you haven't got COVID. You got cancer, and it's like all right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send a COVID bug in there to kill the cancer, but not me. Yeah, essentially, kind of like. Chemo, but different. Yeah, that's right. Well, this is like these viruses, they're, uh, they're known as like an oncolytic virus. Uh, and basically, they're, they're modified in a way to you know, improve its efficiency whilst like um, quelling its virality. And this specific one that they've created, it goes up to cancer cells and attacks them to the point where they burst and die. That's so, cool. Which is, which is sick. Um, and then, It'd be a bummer if that thing got loose in your body. Yeah, well, this is the thing. It's immediately attacked by your immune system. So the, 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 what they are trying to... So it can sneak in there far enough to get to the cancer, but when it attacks the cancer, the immune system's like, get out of here. Yeah, it. that's right, and it attacks it. Now, that's, that's kind of the balance that they've been trying to work it out. How can we get it to the cancer without them being destroyed by the immune system, but then after it destroys the cancer... 
have the immune system destroy it. That's right. Um, and how they've been able to to do this is they've used a kind of fat cell called a, a liposome um, to coat uh, the this you know virus um, that will give it a little bit more strength and it will move it more quickly to tumorous. Uh, areas. Now, furthermore, they've even used, uh, like, basically these, what they call magnetized, like, chemicals, magnetized particles that are, this is crazy, 51 billionths of a meter. Mm. So this is incredibly tiny. Uh, they code it in these magnetized particles, and that also gives it the, the ability to find its way, to make its way to cancer. Because, like, one of the ways that they can see that cancer exists is that it gives off different like light and magnetic rays and that's how they can they can scan you for cancer um but yeah basically it gets in there it floats its way up to the cancer you know in protected by this fat cell um you know using this magnets to guide it lands on the cancer blows it up you know kamikazes it and then you know will be attacked by the immune system and you know you'll experience some downtime from sickness but then come back from it because they've actually limited the virality of the virus. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is like, this is insane. It's cutting edge. It's experimental. I'm not quite sure whether I want to be the guinea pig. But, but this, this is also the thing. Like, I'm, you know, just every single possible wrong outcome that can come from this of like oh, so, creating yeah. a super virus that like, like, you know, because, okay, if it mutates and mixes with something else where it becomes viral again and it has no ability to be attacked by the immune system. Then what have you let loose? Yeah. And we'll all be in lockdown again. Yeah, and will it be airborne? That's and we'll all be in lockdown again. That's right. And yeah, so this is like a, this is hectic. Um, it's, it's a great idea. I, I, I love it. I want to see it. I want to see the research be very robust on this, mm-hmm. and I want to see it increase and improve. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I, well, I'm currently not a cancer patient, but I feel like I would I would love to be a part of something like this. Bugs as drugs. I'm like, I'm on board with it. So you know, if I ever find myself in need of experimental surgery to to get rid of cancer that's taking over my body, you know, yeah, I, I would volunteer. Okay, he's he's game. I'm, I am game. You, you want you want a, you want a, you want a lab rat or a guinea pig? Um, call, hey, call dude! Horses. As long as it's vegan, I'll I'll eat whatever you have. Like, oh, <laughs> as long as it's vegan. So is this a, is this a vegan a vegan virus? I'm well. That's true. <laughs> Any virus is vegan. <laughs> if you get COVID, it's like forced. It's forced like non-veganism because you ingested an animal. I guess no, it's not an animal. Well, it's the bacteria. A virus, a bacteria is an that, animal. And this is where the, the title is a little bit misleading because it's not uh, bugs as drugs because the virus is not a bug. Fair Bacteria enough. is a bug. Fair enough. But you're full of bugs anyway. Anyways, you've been listening to Positively Different News on The Breakfast Show. Talking about bugs and... If you have anything to say, 0491 if, if you want to celebrate the fact that we are harboring the world's biggest plan as well, yeah, go for it. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively Different. When you end to have more clues for the quiz. Yeah, that's right. I'm like a pun is coming. No, you here. can't. You can't avoid it. it okay. Just has to. Who am I? In me, all die, but in Christ, all will be made alive. Okay. Who is that? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. It's interesting. This guy's called a son of God as well, but he sounds kind of, kind of rough. Yes. Wow. Kind of opposite of what you would expect. 
If you know what the answer is, you can go in the draw to win the Revive Cafe Vegan Cookbooks of uh, Volumes 5 and 6, and you'll learn how to make... Ooh, let's see. Uh, ooh, I don't know how to say this word, but it's buckwheat pancakes. Which I had buckwheat pancakes like three days ago. They're amazing. Uh, and you will also learn how to make... Oh, here we go. Apple shortcake. I think I already said that one. Almond and cranberry biscuits. If you want to make either of those things, 0491-064-669. Answer the the quiz correctly. Okay. Well, this story is uh, rather confronting, but I'm just Mm -hmm. going to begin by sharing a passage of Scripture. This comes from Luke chapter 17. And uh, it really deals with, okay, what should our expectations be in relationship to our world? Mm. And sometimes I think that, you know, our expectations are that, you know, the world should get better or whatever it might be. Mm. Is that re- should that really be the case? So in Luke chapter 17, Jesus is going through the signs of the times, the signs that will indicate that his return is near. And in verse 26, it'll, he says, it will be like, you know, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of mm. the Son of Man. He talks about the days of Noah for a bit, you know, the men, the thoughts of men's hearts were only evil continually. And then he goes on and he says, um, and as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. Mm. So he, he, he likens the conditions in our world, firstly to the time of Noah, and secondly to the time of Lot. And you have to ask yourself the question, why? Why does he pick on these two particular circumstances? Well, clearly these were both situations in which God closed probation on the entire, you know, well, on the entire world and on the, on the cities of the valley in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so, you know, God will be closing probation on the entire world just before he returns. And so we have to then look at, okay, Sodom and Gomorrah, and the days of Noah and ask ourselves, well, what was the world like back then? Mm. And what we find is that the world was incredibly confused. And uh, famous uh, late-night television uh, comedian host Bill Maher in the United States uh, recently asked some of these questions. And, you know, this guy is has a very long reputation of being, you know, a a very left-wing individual, Mm. but also... It was interesting to see some of the uh, questions that he asked. And then uh, having done so, the actual research that he was citing has since been released. And so this was a Gallup survey um, that um, in, in relationship to young adults that identify as LGBT. Mm. Um, and there's also a research by the Centre for the Study of Partisanship and Ideology, the CSPI, um, as to what is what is actually happening. And looking at the LGBT community, and so he pointed out that in the silent generation back in 1946, 0.8% of the world identified as LGBT. Amongst boomers, it was 2.6%. Amongst Gen X, that's my gen, 4.2%. Amongst millennials, 10.5%. Amongst Gen Z, 20.8%. Uh, by the end of the 2020s, it'll be at 41.6%. By the end of the 2040s, it'll be 82.2%. And by 2056, if the projection continues in this direction, it'll be at 100%. Mm. And so Bill Maher asked a question, and, you know, this is the kind of question that you shouldn't be asking, you know, what's actually happening here? Are we even allowed to ask these kinds of questions? Um, and uh, since then, of course, the, the, the information has been released. And they've pointed out that the data suggests socio socio-political factors uh, explain the rise in LGBT identity and that sexual orientation is highly correlated with political beliefs. 
interesting. This is very interesting um, among young gay and bisexual. Uh, and the other thing that's interesting about this is the rise in depression. So, you know, for a very, very long time, we, you know, we, we, we talked about the very high rates of depression, the very high rates of suicide that existed amongst the LGBT community, and we said, look, the solution to this is acceptance and affirmation. Mm. And, you know, really in many ways, if you look at the history of it, it was actually the church that led out in encouraging the acceptance of these people as people. Wow. And that's as it should be, and it was a correction from the past where the church was not like that, mm. where the church did ostracize. And so you would expect that, okay, there's going to be a rise in the numbers of people identifying as LGBT because they don't need to hide it anymore because there's no longer any uh, stigma attached to it. And, well, it's actually in many ways the opposite because they're seen as being courageous and seen as being a victim rather than an oppressor. And so you can you can see how this creates a... A, a rise in this, but what you would expect is that with the increase of acceptance, you would have a decrease in depression and suicide amongst this community, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, it's actually soared. So depression was amongst the LGBT community in uh, 2012 was 55%. Wow. Mm-hmm. In uh, uh, 2015... It was 65%. In 2018, it was 72%. Mm-hmm. And so what you've got is not just a rise in people identifying as LGBT, but a much steeper rise in the rates of depression, which is not mirrored with, uh, the, with, their, with you know, teens who are, uh, heter- identify as being... Okay, that's my biggest question. I'm like, okay, is everyone just getting more depressed? Like Everyone is getting more depressed, but not at the same rate. Okay. So if you look at the same time period, uh, consist- these are figures are consistently double mm-hmm. of uh, heterosexual identifying mm-hmm. teens. And so you should see them coming down and, and you know matching each other, but they're not. And these are questions that we need to ask, what is going on here? Uh, we've got this increasing tolerance. Uh, we've, showed, we, we've said that this would be the solution uh, to the extreme rates of depression, and it is not because, well, the opposite is taking place. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's something really, really interesting that uh, we need to look at that is taking place in our world, and we need to ask ourselves the question, okay, does that actually match what the Bible said the world would look like just before Jesus comes back? It does. Yeah. Uh, Virginia Governor Yunkin uh, signed into law a law protecting outward expression of religious faith. So he's a fairly new governor. And this is interesting because you would expect that, you know, outward expressions of religious faith would already have been protected under the US Constitution. Why do you have to have these kinds of laws? And the reason is because there's been lots of laws made that take away these kinds of freedom. And they had, you know, a law that was passed in Virginia that protected religious freedom, but it didn't define what religion was. And so uh, the the law was needed because Virginia had forbidden discrimination on the basis of religion in multiple contexts without defining the actual term religion. That could mm. leave Virginians vulnerable to hostile reactions to expressions of their faith. Uh, 
Mm. So interesting to see what is taking place there in Virginia as far as religious liberty goes. And outward expressions, you know, this is protecting you if you want to, you know, say something on Facebook, say something on a street corner, say something uh, to somebody whose door that you knock on. These are things that we've always just assumed for like ever. Uh, but that weren't actually legally protected. It protects you if you want to wear a cross, if you want to wear a star, if you want to wear a beard, if you want to wear a hijab. It protects all those things as being outward expressions of religious faith, which is a good thing. We need to protect all of those, and there's going to be a lot of people of faith that will benefit from that. Okay, the uh, survey by the Land Centre in the United States, once again, uh, on the issue of abortion. This is based on interviews with 1,155 Americans, 63% of Americans say they believe that life begins either at conception or heartbeat. Ooh. So that's a massive difference from, you know, where we were in the past. Uh, only 13% say that life begins at birth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you go back to the 1970s where the technology and the understanding of what was actually taking place was a lot more limited and you find, you know, when Roe versus Wade was passed through, etc., there was much less understanding on these kinds of issues and so there wasn't anything like this level of uh, support for when life actually begins. And, you know, we've got a growing awareness due to technology and scientific breakthroughs that, you know, obviously life takes place in the womb. Only 10% of Americans support legal abortion up to the moment of birth, as is currently allowed under Roe versus Wade. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Right there with me. It is The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM and on The Breakfast Show what we do every morning is have a quiz to test out your brain, to test out your mind, to test out your Bible knowledge. Mm. Let's see if you can figure out the answer to this question. Send it through to go in the running for a very significant prize at the end of the week, which will be drawn tomorrow. Who am I? God cursed the ground because I listened to my wife instead of him. Wow, there's some, there's some, there's some danger in that uh, quiz clip. Like it's true. That's literally what happened. But and we got a text coming through here right now, uh-huh. um, correcting us on something we, because because I said that I said that virus is not a bug, which they're not. I said bacteria is a bug, but virus is not a bug. What did the person say? Well, somebody said the bacteria is not a bug; it's a plant, like yeast. Mm. The, okay. Maybe it's not, maybe none of them are bugs. <laughs> it's just fun to call them bugs, all right? Give uh, us a bugs break. instead of drugs. That's that's like yeah. the best name ever. That's right. Like, okay, I'm not going to put a mosquito in my bloodstream. Like, I'm yeah, I'm going to put some bacteria that's going to cure cancer. But right now, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text if you know the answer. If you do, you can go into the draw to win the Revive Cafe Vegan Cookbooks five and six, and you can learn to make spiced carrot pikelets and. Uh, let's see, roast veggie soup with ducker. If you want to make those two things, 0491-064-669 is the number to call and text provided the, provide the correct answer, which, uh, to, to the clue, which is God cursed the ground because I listened to my wife instead of him. Okay. So joining us on the phone this morning is somebody that we spoke to, oh, maybe a month, a couple of months ago, uh, about work in Africa. Tanya, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning. Now, Tanya, you spoke to me recently about a very specific project. So large, last time we talked uh, more broadly about your work in Africa. Uh, but just mm-hmm. give, us a, give us some background. Remind us again what part of Africa you're working in and what kind of projects you're working on. Um, and then we want to talk about this specific project. 
Yeah, sure. So I am in a country called Uganda um, in Africa, which is East Africa. And we are located up country about 10 hours from the major city, which is Kampala. Um, in a, the, the closest town is called Sarati, but our village is called Kampramido. So is so, that kind of like the equivalent in Australia of maybe living in the outback? Yeah, so if you think about Sydney being the airport and then you travel 10 hours from there, um, it's actually not a 10-hour journey, but because of the roads, the roads are quite bad. If you were to have a good road, it will probably take about five hours because Uganda isn't a very big country. Um, so that would take you to upcountry. So, yeah, it's like going from Sydney probably to Byron Bay or Lismore or something like that. Sure, sure. Okay, so you're out in, you're out in the bush more or less um – yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we're in the we're in the wilderness up there in the bush. So, um, so we uh, I run a program or a ministry called Little Blue Shed, which empowers women and girls, particularly in the villages where they're hard to, harder to reach than the towns. Um, and so, this is a platform for giving girls skills. Uh, the problem in developing countries is there's um, little opportunity, and if you don't have school fees, you don't get to go to school. So there's young girls that are kind of being, you know, forced into early marriages or heading down the wrong path of prostitution or even trafficking. Or I don't know, you probably heard the stories about um, overseas domestic help, um, where they they send girls to the Middle East and all sorts of terrible things go on. So probably shed is. Yeah, pretty much, modern-day slavery. So Little Blue Shed is kind of a platform where girls that are vulnerable and the reason why we're deep in the village is because not many are reached in that area can come and learn skills and they can um, get employment and also we do spiritual Bible lessons, we do purity lessons um, and just basically letting them know that God loves them, God hasn't forgotten about them and you know they can have a good life and be in financial control for uh, with their with their with their earnings and we teach budgeting so they can make healthy choices for themselves and their families now we mentioned this before but i'm going to mention again the uh, the name of your your ministry which is uh, little blue shed um, yeah is it's not a little project at all is it well no it just started in a blue well it's it's getting there um it's but how many how many taken... how many uh, how many young young women have you worked with and, and are working with. Um, at any given time before COVID, because COVID kind of slowed everything down and we couldn't go on with the activities. But over the time, probably at any one time, it can be between 80 and 100 women at a time. So there's a women, woman leader that I work with and then the girls. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to now build um, a foundation for the Little Blue Shed, which will then allow more women and girls to come in to, um, to benefit from the program. Yes, yeah, so you're not going to have any struggle with finding, you know, uh, women that are in need, women that can be no, helped in, in, in no. this kind of ministry. And you know, no. when you've got 80 people turning up, that's a that's a significant ministry right there. That's not like five people working in the back yeah. corner somewhere. That's that's something of significance. Yeah, like I ran a pilot group um, a couple of years ago and invited girls to come for the interview process because we only had 15 positions, but we had a couple of hundred girls and it was really hard um, to choose the 15. But, you know, the idea was to train up the 15 and then have them as ambassadors to the others and bring the others in slowly and then COVID came. So there is a structure to it. And as much as, you know, we would love to help as many as possible, there is a structure to them building 
build these uh, girls up to be able to teach the next lot and the next lot and the next lot. So, um, yeah, that's what we look forward to doing in I, this year, this coming year. Yeah, I just think it's an amazing work that you're doing because you know this Thank is you. this is this is this is not giving somebody a fish. This is teaching somebody how to fish. Yeah, yeah, correct. And, and, and this yeah. is this is this is the best kind of. Uh, charity that we can put our money into because, you know, rather than it being a drop in the, in, in the ocean that just sort of vanishes and goes yeah. into a black hole, it's something that actually grows and spreads and increases. It's actually an investment yes. rather than just a donation. Yes, that's correct. And like a lot of the times, we Little Blue Shed is more a not-for-profit or I guess a social enterprise. So one of our main objectives is sustainability. And so what I'm doing in Australia is I'm building the market for the products that we're making. So by having that market, um, we're able to, again, I've also done research on what Australian ladies would like us to make. So we're just not making what we think will sell. Um, But going back and then doing those fashion items or those products after doing the market research. So then we've got an income stream to be able to support the next level of the project. So it's very much about empowering because we're teaching empowering. We also want to be empowered in the way we run the organization. And while donations are very good for startup, I think it should be something that, um, you know, we move away from because just like COVID, a lot of the kids that were getting donations for school fees, they dropped off because, or for any other reason, they dropped off because people weren't financially okay. So all of that kind of dropped off and it left everyone in a problem. So say you hear a lot about can you donate school fees for this child or whatever, and that's okay for the emergency, like for the one-off, but going down the track, you can't rely on that because I've I've had donors that, you know, one, they'll be sponsoring for six months and then they'll say, sorry, we've had a crisis, can't do it anymore, and then that child is left pulled out of school until I can find somebody else. So it becomes... It's really sad when you see children come home and sit at home and African kids love going to school. It's not like Australian kids, I think they kick and scream a bit, but African kids will sit in their uniform waiting for their school fee out the front of the, out the front of their house. And if it takes days, they'll just sit there and wait. So, um, one of the programs that we're introducing is the little blue shed is for the women and then the men's shed, which is pretty much the structure of the Australian's men's shed. And I've worked with them and I really love the, you know, the shoulder to shoulder men getting involved and um, also having um, uh, recovery programs, 12 step recovery programs, because there's a lot of alcohol, alcoholism through um, frustration and not having work. So people just drink. So, you know, the women are brewing and the men are drinking. And so we're trying to break that by building an empowerment village where the little blue shed, the women will be. Um, doing their activities and their income generating activities. We'll do a men's shed, which will do the same thing, but different type. They'll do carpentry and metalwork. And then we'll have a youth shed where they'll come on their um, their school breaks and make products, whatever we're making, shoes or bags or baskets or whatever, whatever we're doing to export. And that then that money will go to their designated school. So they'll be actually raising their own school funds. And so it's called an empowerment and sustainability village for that reason. We're trying to make it a long-term um activity or place where people can come and they rely on their own God-given gifts and talents to get them through whatever courses or whatever they need to get through. And, of course, if you can get this one village up and running and doing really, really well, then that becomes a model for other villages across. Yes, yeah. 
Sure. So if it works well, we can just replicate it and, and move it to another district. And on the village will also be growing. So we'll have beekeeping, we'll have animal rearing and things like that. So um, a demonstration garden teaching just on basic, you know, garden kitchen sort of stuff for women. And um, yeah, because we're in the rural area. So there's a lot of fertile land for um, families to um, profit. Like they'll, they'll be able to use the land more wisely if we teach some some other, um, just some other skills about land and farming. Mm, mm. And yeah, okay. So, a specific project that you're working on? Yeah, so that's the um, we're building a home, and it's called the uh, Empowerment and Sustainability Village. And so we have the land, we have three acres of land and I am reaching out to Australians to help me Um, and if you feel touched by this project and want to watch the progress and be a part of it, we're doing um, donations, tax deductible donations at the moment and I'll be returning back to Africa in a couple of months and hopefully starting that building project so we can get underway. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Okay, so let's let's. I got a few other questions I'd like to ask you, but um, yeah. I always leave it to the last minute, and then people are like, "Oh, what were those details that you gave out?" So let's give some details out in relationship to yeah. the Little Blue Shed Project, the Men's Shed Project, sure. uh, the Sustainability Village. Um, how do people support what you're actually doing? There? Yep. Okay. So the Men's Shed is a part of the Sustainability Village. So the the overall arching project is called um, the Empowerment and Sustainable Village. And that is Little Blue Shed, Men's Shed and the Youth Shed. If you go to www.littlebluehed.info, we'll take you to the homepage. Um, and then you'll see a tab called Projects. You can click on that or directly you can click on Donate. Um, it's actually a rotary project. I'm a Rotarian and so all the tax deductibility receipts and everything go through them. So when you click on Donate, it will take you straight to the Rorks Rotary page and you can make your donation and it asks you a couple of questions like, are you a Rotarian, are you not, how much would you like to donate? And then you'll get your tax deductible receipt. So that is um, that's how it works. And of course, Africa is something that you're you know quite a lot about because you've you know you're not just sort of turned up there ten minutes ago no, and started no. like oh we're going to do this and this is going to be great for you. No, you've actually spent quite a bit of time no. there. Yeah, I've I've lived there for six years and pretty much all of that time I've spent in the rural environment working one on one with groups of women and community. So um, there's a fair bit of research that and you know going through trials and. Um, working with the women groups and identifying the gaps of what could actually help the whole community. Because at first it was all about women and girls because that is my passion. But then there's a big flow on effect when, you know, the men aren't, the men don't have something to do. And we know in the Bible that men are the spiritual leaders and, you know, they're, they're a big part of making the family, um, work. So um, then it was more of, okay, well, what can we do on a community level? So the women would be working and making money, but then the men would come and take the money away for alcohol or any other activities. So this is more of a holistic approach. And, you know, this is the vision actually that God gave me about he loves community, he loves family. So this is more a, a village where everybody gets involved and then it benefits the whole community. Now, when you talk about setting up a men's shed, you know, obviously we've seen lots of men's sheds here in Australia and that kind of thing. Yes. Do you have good access to things like electricity for, you know, power tools, that kind of uh, that kind of thing? Um, we would use, yeah, we don't, but we would use solar, yes. solar panels. That would be the main um, 
the main way or generators. So solar panels or generators with the sewing machines, they're the pedal ones, they're not the electric ones. Although going forward, we will have the proper solar um, panels to be able to facilitate the electrical machines as well. And with so, the yeah, other- we don't we don't have power. We've got a borehole, which is where we pump the water from. Which we, in the future we'll look at how we'll get water onto the site, and then we have um, uh, a dam very close by. So they're, they're, that's our water source. Yeah, wow, it's a different kind of yeah. a lifestyle, that's for sure. Tanya, it thank is. you so much for joining us here. So let me just run through that. That was littlebluehed.info. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. So head over to littlebluehed.info and you can find out yep. all of the details right there. And if I could just mention one more thing, there's also a um, subscribe to the newsletter. So if you're if you want to be a part of it and join us in this building project, um, I will be updating monthly or bi-monthly on our progress and showing pictures of what we're doing, so you can really keep a track of you know uh, what something that you're a part of. Thank you so much for joining us here on The Breakfast Show, Tanya. I'd like to encourage everybody to head over to littlebluehed.info, a fantastic project doing practical work that you can support in a real way. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.